When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there. It's Most Things Kenobi. This is the podcast you're looking for. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Most Things Kenobi, a podcast about Obi-Wan Kenobi and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Leanne. And I'm your host, Lauren. And this week, we've brought notes. <laughs> we Got <have>. notes? Because <laughs> we do. Three pages, single spaced. <laughs> yes, I have two. So clearly, we've got things to discuss. And this week, we're talking about another set of stories from The Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view, which we listened to on Audible. It was a very generous gift from one of our dear friends and fans, Kenobi Wolf. So yes, thank you, John. Yes, thank you. He's been kind of guiding us on to like which ones we should listen to because there's a lot, and we will get through yes. all of them, but in what order? John has helped us. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you're right, there's so many chapters, and I want to say right up front, these are really well written, well crafted short stories. They really are. They are. I mean, from the sound to the, I, I mean, yes, we're doing it through Audible, not sponsored, but like, yes, uh, we're, do, we're doing it with the sound. But even yes. so, the writing, yes, the writing is yes. so good. And I love that they each one kind of has a theme and they just stick mm-hmm. with it. It's very centered. And that's like a, a special skill. Not everyone's really good at writing both long form and short stories. And Beth Revis is one of the writers. And yes, she, she wrote. Um, Rebel Rising, right? That was the book that we reviewed before. Yes. And she and wrote so, one of the ones that we're reviewing today. Exactly. And so she's she was very good. And very good at both forms. So I just want to say, shout out to these skilled writers, because short stories are not everyone's forte. Like, not every writer is good at it. And these are really damn good. And I noticed that from the previous episode that we did where we covered a few of these stories to this version of us covering these stories, they really hone in on the spirit of the characters that they're talking about. And in fact, you'll see it's not always the main character. They might be referencing a main character, but it's through a a certain point of view, a point of view that (laughs) may not get a lot of attention, that doesn't have a huge background to pull from that you kind of have to... It's a, it's a moment in time in one of the movies, and it's ex- expanded upon in a short story, and I think that takes a lot of skill. So I, same, yeah. same hard same right here. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, do you want to talk about the first lesson? Yes, that is the title of the first story that we're going to cover in this episode. Yes. Kenobi Wolf, thank you for guiding our hand on this. You have not disappointed. These are all 
freaking excellent choices. But no, and it makes me want to blow through all the other ones, but I got to pace myself. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, and also, so this was written by Jim Zub, but it was read by Mark Thompson. So and he did a freaking great oh, job, yeah. I thought. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. loved his voice like the control he had when he said the word yoda the first time i was like that was like butter (laughs) (laughs) well was he reading it luke did he do luke's voice in this or was that pulled from something because it sounded no he he did it and i actually think he might have read an audiobook that was about luke at some point that came out like many many years ago but i'm not sure but yes he he was doing his yoda was really good the whole thing was fantastic. I, he had me wondering, is he doing that? Is he doing Luke? Or is he yeah. Pull- like, it was really good. So this story, for those who don't know, it's a it's from Yoda's point of view when Luke arrives for the first time on Dagobah. And, yes. you know, what I really liked about this right off the bat was I didn't quite know where it was going at first, but the description of Dagobah when it got into it made it even Mm -hmm. more, like, in my brain, visually appealing Mm -hmm. than, well, the, like, the swampy, misty thing we see in Empire Strikes Back. The sounds of the birds and not just, not just the sounds in the, in the audiobook, but, like, the actual description of, like, a creature here, Mm -hmm. another insect there. I really, really liked that part. I thought it was great. I did too. It was it was the perfect way to set up an environment without over describing. Very you know, true. So many times especially with sci-fi, I feel like sci-fi genre writers have a tendency to over-explain and over-describe because it's a fantasy world. Mhm. And I liked that they named creatures in this but didn't describe what they were. You don't need to know. You get no. the sense by the the short little Whatever they said they were eating or however yes. they were moving. It's like, I don't need to know what it is. Like, that sense, the emotion, the environment, the energy, like, that was all conveyed very beautifully. I thought the prose in this were beautiful. I loved the way this person wrote. Yes, and and the you knew it was Yoda meditating and he was tapping into the force and sensing all of these creatures around him. And so it, it, the way that it was delivered was perfect. The like mm-hmm. you said, a creature was eating something or slithering away or chirping yeah. here or there or something. And it's like those things that if I were to imagine what the force would be like if I was meditating in a place like Dagobah, I would feel all of these like entities around me. Yeah. And so it really kind of brought the force to life in a way that I wasn't expecting. Yes. I really liked it. <laughs> I Obviously. did too. I loved it too. And I, oh my God, I just want to read one of the lines when they were first describing all of these things being felt and alive in Yoda. And mm-hmm. he wrote, uh, he was describing Yoda. He said, a name, an identity, a shell of crude matter housed on a form set upon this sharpened point of time and all the points preceding it. And I, yes. was, I had to pause it. I was like, whoa, that was that really was, beautiful. Yes. I, I, the sharpened point of time was excellent. I, re, I yes. distinctly remember that too. It was really yes. well written. <laughs> because it's it's implying how important Yoda is, but it also made me think each one of us is that. True. Yeah, we're all sitting on a very specific point in time at all yeah. times. 
Exactly. It, it implies that each person, even though you might feel mundane, you're important. You're here on this specific point for a specific reason. Yeah. Who knows what that reason is? I don't know. But I just loved that about this story. It was very like hippie meditation. Was- <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Yes. I think I think they said like meditation isn't a body at rest. It's a body. Yes. You know, doing yes. things. Yeah, you know, and and it was described. This is I wrote this down. Yoda went to Dagobah for rest, and the acceptance of his past mistakes and past foolishness. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if we've gotten any admission until now that Yoda had made a mistake. I mean, there were hints yeah. that obviously things had gone wrong in Revenge of the Sith. Yes, but I thought it was great that he went there for rest to ride it out until his time was done, right? Mm-hmm. And to accept. And I think that's a huge part of like being with yourself, meditating. If anyone's ever meditated before, it's kind of accepting, moving past it, feeling it mm-hmm. and then letting it go. And I, I so as as someone who meditates myself, um I got that. And I thought yeah. it was great that this 900-year-old being, which they even <laughs> state, a 900-year-old Jedi master <laughs> had to, you know, acknowledge all of this. And I thought it was great. A lot of things went bad. Yeah. Leading up to his time in Dagobah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I also, I wrote down a line from that section too, where he, he was describing that now he needs his cane for real. Cause he's, Oh old. yes. And he says his fighting form long behind him, replaced with even greater inner strength, enlightenment, and acceptance. And I just thought how beautiful that is. And something that each person could... Like, I personally strive for that. It's hard to accept yourself, accept your mistakes. And for Yoda to be having to accept 900 years worth of stuff. Seriously. That would take take some time. Yeah, it would. It would. It would. I don't know how much. T- how I guess only twenty some years or nineteen. How old is Luke? Nineteen. He's nineteen, I think, by A New Hope. But this is a few years later. I always forget how many years because so he's like they also twenty say, something. Yeah, because they said that Obi Wan had already appeared as a ghost, basically yeah. to Yoda by this point. So listen, <laughs> Obi Wan was like. <laughs> I'm going to give you a warning. He's coming. We got to talk. We got to okay. talk. <laughs> Which, I got a question for you, though. Why yeah. do you think Yoda assumed that when Obi-Wan came to him, that Yoda assumed he was talking about Leia and not oh, Luke? I wrote this down. Yoda relished the idea of helping Leia, but this this was another Luke the brash, Luke the reckless, Luke the echo of his father's need to control what he could not understand. So yes. m- that's the quote. Yes. He, it, it, he even says, and I love this because it's so fucking true. Potent and prophetic, foreign yet familiar, a Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally how it went. And I'm like, that's perfect. <laughs> that could that could describe Either Skywalker twin, honestly. Yes, yes. But I don't have an answer for you. I think, I think Yoda's bias is showing. Yeah. He was hoping, or is it the writer's bias? Or is it the imagination maybe pulling from both? 
perhaps Yoda thought Leia would be the easier one to teach. And he was hoping, yeah. give me the girl. Maybe she's like yeah. Padme. She won't be an ass like, like Anakin was. <laughs> you know. And who shows up? I, the boy. <laughs> when I wondered, like, the Kenobi series obviously didn't exist yet. But maybe the script existed and they were kind of pulling from that. I don't really know. I thought this was written in, like, 2019. Um, but... I thought that was that really like stopped me in my tracks that Yoda assumed Leia and not Luke, even though Obi-Wan is the one who came to him Mm -hmm. and Yoda knew Obi-Wan was taking care of Luke and Bale had Leia. So I don't know why Yoda would assume. I think you're right. I think his don't know as even though this whole story was very beautiful and spiritual with Yoda, I really think it showed that he already had a predetermined bias against Mm -hmm. Luke Mm-hmm. So the beautiful part is, is this is called the first lesson. And Yoda says, hmm, most amusing this first lesson shall be. But I think it was a lesson to Yoda. Yeah. As well as to Luke. It's Luke's first lesson, right? But it's Yoda's first. Yeah, I think so too. A whole new page, a whole new chapter, a changing of the guard, you know, all the things. And Yoda already had to put himself in check. Yeah. Because he had assumptions about Luke that were immediately, I thought it was very interesting, that revealed in this story, Yoda pops out of nowhere just to see how Luke would handle the unexpected. Yeah. A test. And then he finds out, oh, he's not predisposed to to violence. violence. And I'm like, oh. word he used. I know. I was like, okay. Because I guess Anakin would have punched him in the face. Well, you know, he'd at least furrowed that brow. (laughs) but luke was just like he sensed him coming and then questioned out of safety and then lowered the blaster you know so that was like yoda's first like let's see what he's got what what i'm dealing with i thought that was interesting i did too i loved that and i i actually wrote a list of all the, the descriptors that yoda used for luke okay and they're all so negative they started by saying he was sensing something in the force, a jagged, uneven thing with a strange gravity of its own that drew in tiny motes of fear and anger, disturbing the stream, like a flash of darkness that disturbed the force. Yeah, but was that Yoda's fear that it was an incarnate of Anakin himself? Or is this well, the fear he felt in Luke in like the trepidation of going to find a Jedi master? See, I think he was describing Luke because at first Yoda was like, is this my own fear? And then he said, no, it's an external thing that I'm feeling. So he was feeling Luke's fear and his own anger. And then they described him as potent and prophetic, brash, reckless, the echo of his father, like you said, Mm -hmm. courageous, but foolhardy, resolute, but woefully unprepared, discord unsettling the stream. Then he said repetition and small-mindedness it's a little harsh it's harsh dude i was like the fuck (laughs) you could say a farm boy who hasn't left his house or planet in x amount of years could be small-minded but sure (laughs) I, i don't i think that it's just come on give him more credit than that i mean he made it this far (laughs) then he said he said with 
the and the writer or the reader did such a great job with his inflection on this line where he said that he was less than a padawan despite his age and it's like true but also who's to blame for this truth truth like he was a boy sent without choice to live in this place raised by his uncle and uncle you know cranky ben hermit and he didn't have any choice in the matter he's i think he's doing pretty well considering he grew up in isolation he actually is very open-minded and accepting and kind to the unknown which i think yoda's not giving him credit he's just as yoda has these predispositions about luke you know, I like that they show that Luke also has his own assumptions about what he's going to mm-hmm. find in Yoda. Mm-hmm. So it's true. I think this story is interesting because while we're seeing it from Yoda's point of view, it's also a mirror of Yoda reflected back. Very much. And and it's interesting because it kind of puts them on more of a level playing field than they realize. That, mm-hmm. you know, Yoda is having these assumptions, same as Luke. They're both wrong. Yeah. In a way. And so, I, I don't know. It gives such depth to this scene that seems kind of like a little bit lighthearted. He's, you know, R2's there. And actually, he saw R2-D2 and he said, of course Luke had Anakin's old droid with him. Quote, such cycles of fate. Yes. And I thought that I was I laughed nice. out loud when I heard that. I was like, oh, yeah. of course Yoda even knows R2-D2. Yes. And, and... Another quote that I wrote down was, and this is to piggyback off of your prior statements, Luke's form had yet to be set in one mold or another. His glory or downfall was yet to be defined. And I think that's what changes Yoda's kind of bias a little bit. Here was still a moldable subject. Yeah. Anakin came to the Jedi Council with so many things already stacked against him he was too old he was a slave he was this and that you know Mm -hmm. all these things and he had an attitude so like sure i'm gonna give yoda a little bit of 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 a break here and like oh oh that's a lot to handle i don't know if i can do another one of these skywalkers i should have got the girl but like then he realizes right away like oh it looks a little different i'm working with something different here i can do this yeah I like and, to think of how he's being seen here and then compare him to how he becomes in Return of the Jedi. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and to find a teacher who already has a bias against you and still be open enough to take his lessons, accept what he's teaching you. And I think that's really truthful because how much of us, when someone is like criticizing us, even if they're right, we put up a wall and we're like, just like, fuck you. We're not going to yeah. listen. And then later... When you're by yourself, the lesson permeates and it gets through to you and you do accept it and, like, take it to heart. And I think that's more like what Luke would be, you know, Mm -hmm. because he leaves during Empire Strikes Back and he goes to rescue his friends. But that doesn't mean that Yoda's lessons aren't permeating, you know? Right, right. Yeah. So I think, I think he's, I, I just, it makes me love Luke even more because he is like a r- real person mm-hmm. who is carrying this burden without asking and and does it honestly with a lot of grace i think considering That's, that sounds like obi-wan to me it does you're right <laughs> <laughs> he's a product luke is a product 
of all kinds of hands in the pot there, but they're all yeah. good hands. Like, and, and, yeah. and I can't help but think, I know we have our qualms with the last Jedi, but Yoda reappears to Luke, mm-hmm. it, you know? And I think that's wonderful. He yeah. never stops being his master. Yeah. And I also still love that Luke, goes hey just like (laughs) (laughs) yeah cut that out 20 year old with attitude yeah (laughs) like that's never changed (laughs) well the 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 quote that i ended with my notes said could he bring balance to the force yoda would try to show him a way toward the light no he would not try there is no try (laughs) i was so good (laughs) I love that. I thought that was great. Yeah. It was a really well bookended piece. I really liked it. I thought it was really, really good. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So our next story is about Vader. (laughs) Kind of. It's actually quite sad. But there's a lot. This is the one by Beth Revis. It's called... What is it? The last time? What's the full what's the full title? For the last time. For the last time. Yes. Yeah. So this story is actually about Piet, which when he becomes admiral? Yeah. Because it's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the other one got it's... choked out. Yeah. Bye-bye, Admiral Ozzel. <laughs> they they talk about it, but I had I really like this one. It's totally different from the one we just talked about. Yeah. But I I have so many things written down for this one. I do too. This was even, it's a different writing style. It was, Uh it has a different tone. It's much darker. It's very dark. The thing I like too about it is it takes a regular idea that most people have and shows that Piet has the opposite idea, and that's why he's successful. Yeah. Because, Ugh, I don't like most, it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll well, like most it. people, the the like root of the story is the idea of using fear, right? And, and so most people, and this is how I would probably describe Vader, even is like, if you have a lack of fear, you have power, right? If you have control over your fear, and like. Who is Vader going to fear except the Empire or the the Emperor specifically? Correct. Right. But Piet's idea is that fear is what makes him strong and like gives him power and insight because he's afraid all the time, which I think is so interesting. It's wild. It it really describes like tyranny as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's they say in the story there are two types of men just as there are two types of power. People are ruled either by fear or by a false sense of security. Men who took their power knew how to make a fist. Those who lived in fear were strong. And the element and yes. symbolism of a fist through this whole story 
yeah. just kept going and going, and I fucking loved it. Me too. I wrote that line down too. It's so good, and and like that it's referencing back to Tarkin that like Piet learned yeah. this by watching Tarkin, which makes me think. Yeah, Tarkin is an ass. So yeah, yeah, I would have learned that too from him. Right. Well, and it made me think of Krennic, in a way. True. True. Because they're like people marching around like they own the place are the ones who are actually weak. Yes. The ones who know that they have power have a totally different attitude altogether. It's so interesting. I love it. They say, this is a line, it says, Prey has the luxury of ignorance. A hunter knows the terror of starvation, though, if the prey was not killed. So who really has the, I just, this is so good. And the fact that he likes this. I know, right? He (laughs) thrives in this. He belongs in the Empire. (laughs) Right, like that's, he's one of the ones who makes it like all the way to the end. He doesn't get (sighs) killed. And it's crazy because by looking at him, he's always the one who's kind of like, he does his job, but he's always kind of like, kind of very nervous about yeah. what he's doing. Well, now we know why. <laughs> he's made himself that way. <laughs> yes. yes. So there was also this line that I just fucking loved. Admiral Ozel had walked across the bridge of the executor as if it were his right. But Lord Vader strode over the black enamel as though he would burn it from the sky before he let anyone take it from him. Amen, bitch. This just reminds me of, this is a really weird reference, but go with me. The Russians during the war of 1812 against Napoleon. Napoleon invades Russia and Russians burn Moscow to the ground so that the French can't take it. And I'm like, this is Vader. It checks out. (laughs) (laughs) The, The idea that you would rather destroy a thing than let someone take it from you. That kind of power, that kind of like fixation is so interesting to me. I love it. Well, I I was picturing that walkway, the shiny black, his yeah. boots, that cape fluttering with the fan, the Beyonce fan <laughs> from somewhere. And then all these unsuspecting ladder climbers trying to mm-hmm. get to where Vader is, you know, to be with the Emperor. I think it's even said in there that something about trying to get to the Emperor, be, being as high or getting to a rank. Yes. But, like, yeah. you'll never get there because you don't have that ruthlessness. Well, and then by the end, Piet almost says, if it takes what Vader endures to be at the yeah. Emperor's side, maybe he doesn't really want that. Yeah, no, let's get into that because this whole thing... <laughs> I was I was typing as fast as I could on my document, pausing, rewinding, <laughs> pausing, rewinding. Because yes. here, here's another quote. Everything Piet had, he had taken. He suspected the same as Vader. Like, that Vader also did. But here's what I wrote down. I think that's an interesting and very incorrect thought. Because mm. everything Anakin had was taken from him by the Emperor. Interesting. You're right. So, in fact, Vader hasn't taken anything. Vader has had everything taken from him. And now he's taking because he's got nothing left. He lives in that anger that the Emperor basically forced him into. I mean, 
I'm not saying that Anakin is, uh, is, in, is innocent here. He made every choice he made, you know, brainwashed or not. But the influence was he had everything taken, every single fucking thing down to his legs taken from him. And he thought people owed him for it. You know, Obi-Wan owed him the, the whole galaxy. Fuck the Jedi. All this anger, you know. That is like a classic form of abuse that you, you yes. empty a person. You empty them like a vessel and then you offer them a way to fill themselves yes. back up. Yes. So you th- that person thinks that they're getting the thing they want. But what they don't realize is by this point, they're so abused by the other yes. external force that they don't realize that's the person who took everything from them. It's so interesting. It's so brilliant. And I loved I loved the description of what Piet saw <gasps> of Vader's <sighs> body. It's the scene where he goes yes. in to give a report to Vader and he's sitting in his meditation chamber and Piet sees Vader's skull before his helmet comes on. That's what this whole scene is about. And that... That was so well written. It was so well written and it made me squirm. And everyone knows what that scene looks like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the description of Vader's neck and his head was awful. Like that was. Yeah. It was so good. I mean, it. I mean, awful in the way that it was. It, it painted such a vivid picture that was. Yes. We know how gruesome it is. I should say the word gruesome, not awful, because it's excellent writing. It's just yes, it's terrible to imagine and hear it, you know. Beneath the mask, he had known Vader was a human, but he did not know just how broken of a human. Yes. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I have the whole like descriptor written down if I if you want me to read let's it. Let's do it, do it. Let's let's give the <laughs> let's give the chills to everybody because I'll relive it. Uh, let's do it. Okay, ready. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is gruesome, but it's so fucking well written. It says the shiny black helmet descended over Lord Vader's head, or what remained of it. Raw, wrinkled skin with was streaked with red veins and painful looking welts. A tall neck piece seemed to do the work of Lord Vader's spine, supporting the bulbous mass of flesh stretched over the patchwork skull. Holy fuck, it's so good. It's so horrifying. <laughs> It's so terrible. More than a dozen electro bolts screwed into the neck piece connecting to Lord Vader's nerves. Fuck. Can we just take a second? This used to be the hero with no fear. Yeah. What a fucking sad... And in fact, I have the quote, a walking corpse, he thought. Yes. That white skin. I I don't want to... This is... This is gruesome. <laughs> but like, I never thought of, it's so obvious that I didn't even think of it, that Vader is a walking corpse. And not just physically, but internally, there was yeah. nothing left of the person that used to be that human. Yes. So, Which is why that ugh. scene has so much gravity in Kenobi. Because if you've watched the Clone Wars, mm. you know, it's like, yes, the, the prequels were great, but Clone Wars was seven seasons of giving us Anakin, the selfless hero. And then to see it in the Kenobi series where he says, I killed Anakin Skywalker. Like, I didn't want to be that person anymore. And now to hear this description of him, it's just like yeah. the whole arc of this character is just, the word is gruesome. Everything about it. It's 
heartbreaking. There's a question I, that Piet poses. I was just going to say. Like, oh, yeah? <laughs> yes, we're on the same page with this 100%. This is the question I have wondered in some form or another, and it was made vocal in this, quote, what makes a man choose this over death? Why would Vader choose such pain? Yep. I mean, this is a split second. You know, if you've walked in and saw this private moment and you knew you weren't supposed to see it and it's this gruesome and you think, what the fuck would make someone go on after? I mean, why? Why? Yeah. What makes a man choose this? Yeah. Did Vader actually choose it? He was known to have tried to commit suicide, but the suit prevented him. I know I've read that somewhere. Comic behind the scenes something oh i'd be so interested to to see this he tried and palpatine just stopped it every single time like he could try and electrocute himself but he couldn't because there was a backup safety to his suit and like you know it's just like at any moment you think you just take the helmet off bruh you know that but right palpatine was always there so he was a fucking prisoner yeah. He was a fucking slave since day one. I mean, it's it's like, did he choose this? I want to <coughs> I want to backhand Piet and be like, he didn't choose it, bitch. But he did <laughs> in a way because he made the ultimate choice that factored into all of this. But God. Yeah. I mean, it makes you wonder, like, why he doesn't scurry away to some edge of the galaxy where Palpatine doesn't find him. You know, he that's he, not possible. Yeah, and I, I'm. That's why I'm like so excited to write my third part of my Dark Obi Wan series because it's like, where do you go to hide once you are part of Palpatine's net? You know, you can't get out nah. of it. No, nah, if Palpatine has a need for you, he's gonna use you. He'll find you. He will sustain you. Yeah. Beyond death, he will. He will force you to be alive, whether yeah. you want to die or not, because he's got. He's got a use for you. He's fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Every time we talk about Palpatine, I want to just... Ah. <laughs> oh. Well, the thing that this whole scene culminates in is for a flash of time, Piet sees Vader as a man, which he's never done before, and it makes him pity Vader. Yes. And I love this line where... It says, it was not courage that destroyed fear. It was pity. Yes. Yes. Ugh, so good. <laughs> and he felt pity looking at Vader, and thus he no longer felt, he no longer feared him. And to Piet, that was the ultimate no-no. Yeah. He had to shelve it. To feel the fear, Piet could no longer imagine him as a man. He killed it and chose to feel fear and know him only as the mask and the black fist. So there's that yes. symbol of the fist again. And of course, when you think of Vader force choking someone, it's the fist. Yes, and even in that moment, he glances down at Vader's hands to see yeah, what yeah, they're yeah. doing. Yeah. And they're just laying on the arms of his chair open. And then Vader says, you have failed me for the last time. And P.S. like, oh, there's the fear. It's come back. Yep, there it is. <laughs> and it's like, Vader doesn't have to do anything because he knows how 
I mean, he's killed people from other ships with his mm-hmm. mind, you know? It's fucking... It's like... Ah, that is... <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, that is so cool. <laughs> That's my boy, Anakin. <laughs> Way to use your gift. <laughs> he's not squandering his gifts at all. No. No. Way to use that talent. <laughs> Every day. Every Even in- day. In conference rooms with Tarkin, and he's always just gonna bring out the force joke whenever That's needed. It. I'm here for it. He's living anyway. his best life. <laughs> oh, no, he's not. He's a prisoner. He literally looks like a walking corpse. He's not living his best life. Piet is, according yes. to him. Yeah, sniveling little terrified Piet is in his prime. Do you <laughs> think know. that that Kren- you brought up Krennic? Do you think that Krennic had the same? thought about vader do you think if like there is a moment in the rogue one novelization where he's at lord vader's castle it's that scene where they they meet and he also for a moment thinks of vader as just a man and he's like if he's a man then i can start to manipulate him and take tarkin's place because tarkin had the emperor's ear and krennic wanted that Mm mm-hmm and that also was Krennic's downfall. Now, he right. was doing what Piet said, where he was trying to take power, but he was, he just didn't understand who had the real power in these situations. He was like two steps behind, even though he thought he was on par with everyone. He was just yes, slightly behind. Yes. Well, to wrap this up, the very, very last quote is very interesting. Mm-hmm. So in referring to both, you know, seeing Vader and all this, he had seen past the mask and that had cracked his own. Meaning. Yes. Piet. Yeah. It's so, so good. Everybody in the Empire is wearing a little bit of a mask. Yes, that's what I wrote. It's like that this whole like switching this idea around of like having fear be the thing that gives you strength Mm -hmm. shows how fucked up the empire is yeah 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 right yeah i keep thinking about nimic's nimic's manifesto and how he was saying Mm -hmm. that that kind of power is and control is unnatural that's a good reference like, the Empire has to do all these crazy things to kind of keep the control because it's not a normal state to live in. And it just shows how everyone who's in the Empire, especially officers, have to be, like, different kinds of humans than, mm-hmm. you know, like a, I don't want to say normal, but like a non-sociopathic. <laughs> I, yes. I yes. mean, I don't want to use labels incorrectly more that like you have to function in a in a way that is very toxic to yes. survive and do well in the empire and you know Deidre is another great example of that oh i know Andor. i was just thinking of her yeah i was just thinking of her it's like you're kind of rooting for her but then you're like she's kind of fucked up <laughs> yeah yeah i mean she's another ladder climber yeah you know and, I'm excited to see what happens with her. Oh, I know. In context of this kind of story, it's like, is she going to be the person who takes the power? Or is she going to be the kind of person who thinks she's got power and gets eaten up by the system? I, I, It could go either way. It really could. I mean, I don't. 
<laughs> I, I, there's only two that sit at the top in the Empire, and it's Vader and Palpatine. Yes. Honestly, everyone it's else true. is just a pawn. Yeah. I, I, actually, Vader's also a pawn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's very reminiscent of, like, Henry VIII was exactly the same way. Hitler was the same way. Oh, for sure. Yes. Like, Vader is Himmler. The Emperor is Hitler. You know, it's like they're very similar in that sense. And there is no safety. The only person who knows what's going on is the Emperor, really. And we've talked about that. He's in a back room with a cigarette, pointing at all the different <laughs> things, mapping it out with strings. With a cork board. <laughs> Yeah, he said, it goes, these people go over here and this ties into this and this eventually leads to Ray, I promise. But all of this, <laughs> you know, fucking, fucking crazy shit, I'm and telling you. It's all analog, it's all paper because he doesn't want anyone to hack it. So it's definitely just <laughs> like the tr- on the wall. It. He's printing out pictures. <laughs> he, he has a doctor's signature because <laughs> yeah. nobody can read it. Yeah. No offense to the doctors out there, <laughs> yeah, but you yeah. know what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that's, that's why he writes it all down. Shit. Yeah. yeah exactly. Oh, fucking Palpatine. So, <laughs> those were enjoyable stories once again. Yes, highly recommend them. If you're if you don't want to read the whole thing, these short stories are worth it. And the last two that we did, I can't remember what our episode number was that we we did it. It was a while back. I would say like maybe in the 70s, episode 70, maybe. So it was episode 34, which seems like such a long time ago. Wow. (laughs) That is crazy. That's a long time ago. (laughs) So if you get a chance, go back to episode 34 if you haven't listened to it already and hear those short stories as well as these ones in this episode. And we will continue the journey through (laughs) these short stories because if they're all this good, shit, we'll we'll be here. We'll be here a while. We will because there's quite a lot. So our question to you this week is very simply, if you have read these stories or listened to them in that format, let us know your thoughts on these two. Um, what your favorite favorite moments were, if you were as, <laughs> as horrified by the description of <laughs> Vader's spine as we were, if you were as, as mad at Yoda for being a little small-minded about Luke as we were, I was so just mad. give us your thoughts. <laughs> And next week, I'm excited. We're diving into some more Andor. If you didn't know, I'm a bit obsessed. Leanne, you're very good to tolerate my constant talking about Andor. (laughs) Well, I had no idea you were obsessed. This is news to me. Really? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) You fueled the fire. You gave me my shirt. (laughs) Here. Here's the fan. Here's the fan to your fire. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't take much (laughs) for me. Next week, we are going to talk about our favorite, some of our favorite Andor quotes. There are a lot. So we're going to narrow it down to three each. This will probably be something we can revisit several times. But we are going to talk some Andor next week. So join us back here. I can't wait. And thank you so much for joining us here on the Most Things Kenobi podcast. We appreciate every single one of our patrons and are grateful for your support. If you would like to support the podcast and become a patron as well, head over to the Most Things Kenobi Patreon. And as always, you can follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you enjoy our podcast, 
Feel free to rate us on Spotify and or Apple. And if you need just one place to find all of these things, head over to mostthingskenobi.com. So until next time, my space twin, may the force be with you. Always. <laughs> <laughs>